Well, you know, one of the things that's difficult to talk about or to teach on for me uh, is fasting. Uh, Not that it's hard for me to teach content. I've done many sermons on it. You know, but the Bible says to not let people know when you pray and when you fast and how you pray. So um, giving information about fasting is kind of hard. And then when people ask me questions about fasting, you don't want to say, well, yeah, I've fasted so many days before. Uh, because then you're not really following the scriptures. So I've, I've, I've tried to kind of deal with this uh, dilemma, I guess, if you want to call it. Uh, but I've done a lot of fasting Don't let my parents fool you. Uh, But I have done a lot of fasting in my ministry, you know, for for over 20 years now and and gone through a lot of different phases. That's why I am both excited and I'm also uh, cautious about us starting a prayer and fasting time today. And so we've had a real movement in the body of Christ in fasting about January 2nd every year. And it feels like fasting has been very much confused with weight loss. Um, No one seems as excited about fasting in the summer or in the fall during cookout time or in December during the Christmas parties. And and I like Awake in Nashville because it starts a little bit later in January and it kind of pushes us past some of those self-interest. But one issue about Awake Nashville, just to be aware of, you know, it ends uh, February 26, I think, and then two days later, uh, Lent starts. So all the evangelical churches are fasting in January, and then the worldwide church starts fasting on February 26, and I'm going to participate in both. I'm going to be skinny, guys. Praise God. <laughs> and there we go back to our, fa- our, our fascination. <laughs> I- I'm concerned, and-, and thanks for laughing with me, that people get more excited about changes in their body than changes in their lives. And it speaks to our worship of the physical body today. We get fascinated with physiological changes. And I will tell you this, if if you do some fasting, you'll start feeling better. And and you'll lose a lot of water weight pretty fast. But most people um, gain weight after a fast. They they actually become plumper a few days after a fast. So if if you're looking for a weight loss program, go to Jenny Craig or or Weight Watchers. Don't go to the Awake Nashville. Now, we chuckle about that. There's some truth into that. Um, In 2011, we did a church-wide Daniel fast. Does anyone in here, raise your hand if you're around back then, you remember that. I can't decide whether that's encouraging or depressing. I can't decide which one that is. It it, it had some value. It definitely had some value. Uh, I, I was leading the charge, but I think that some of us, I'm not accusing the people who raised their hand, I, I, I didn't remember who was part of that, but some of us spent more time on our food list than on, than on our prayer list. And it kind of became this deal like gotcha moments. Like I was at 242 back in those days and people said, don't eat that, it's not on the list, ha ha ha. 
And, and it became this kind of food orientation. It's like all of a sudden now, food kind of became the idol, like the type of food we eat. And, and all of this is a learning experience. Like I think we've learned some stuff with that, and we all learned along the way. But it kind of it kind of gives a corporate pressure, and corporate pressure has its positive qualities, but it also has its prideful characteristics, okay? So, can I just summarize what fasting is about? Let me just give you just a real quick summary, because it's going to set you free, and it's going to set your focus. Fasting is about God. That's what fasting is. It's not about, you know, is Danielle, is she, is she giving up a certain type of food this week? And is Katie, is she doing something different? And, and, and what's Rob going to do? And, and, and it's not about comparing length of time. Chris is a five-day faster. You know, it's Cindy's a two-day faster and all that. And how long are you going to fast or what are you going to do? All of that kind of stuff is like the clutter that becomes religious babble. Okay. So if we're going to be part of Awaken Nashville, if we're going to be part of in the, the global church in Lent of preparing for Easter, I say, God, awaken the things inside of me that you want. Awaken my soul. Give me more of you. And whatever that means to you becomes the reality that you center upon. Um, in, in this book, it's a great book, um, Revival starts here. It doesn't take you very long to read it at all. Uh, page 47 uh, is a good place to start. If you pick up a packet or if you have your packet at home, you can go to 47. It talks about a major fast is abstaining from, for food from 24 hours or maybe a period of 24 hours. A uh, minor fast is kind of a sun up to sundown, which a lot of uh, major religions do. Jewish people, it's a Jewish fast that you, you do it from a time. The sun goes down that evening. Uh, the sun comes up that day till the time it goes down that evening. Uh, partial fast is obtaining uh, from certain foods. So you might say, I'm going to give up soda. I'm going to give up sweets. That's a partial fast. And, and this is a technicality, but I think it's an important one. Um, you know, the Bible really only talks about fasting from food. But a, a soul fast is abstaining from something other than food. I've never really known that term until this weekend. Um, television, social media, other activities. All of those are good, but fasting's about God. That's what it's about. It's not about what you give up. It's about what you take in. You take in more of him. Um, Richard Foster says it's feasting on the Lord. It's not about, about, uh, it's not about abstaining from food as much as it is feasting on the presence of the Lord and, and, and giving your time that you would normally devote to eating, maybe to meditation, to prayer. Maybe giving, giving the income, uh, it's been suggested, that you would spend on food to the poor. But there's no rules. You and the Lord can decide under, under his leadership, under biblical guidelines, you can do whatever it takes to orientate yourself to God. So I hope that makes you guys feel better. Don't be a bunch of judgy people judging each other about if you're fasting the right way. Let's enjoy the Lord, right? Let's enjoy the Lord. Let's just go into, we got two time periods ahead of us starting today where we're like, we're gonna join the churches, over 500 churches in Middle Tennessee. We're gonna enjoy the Lord together. And then, and then that's right coming up on the global church 
we're going to prepare for Easter together and have this certain rhythm. So let's do it together. Well, Psalm 27 is a, is a psalm centered on the Lord. It's just centered on God. And I'm excited to share these characteristics about him, about our God. You know, we've all been in situations where we just wanted to be friends with someone. We thought, you know, it'd be really cool to be friends with that person. We admire them for some reason. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes God's protecting us. Sometimes God is leading us. And this is kind of how friendship works. It either, it's like a reflex friendship is. It either happens or it doesn't. Um, so uh, there, there was a, there's a person in my life that I started to admire. He's the president of Union University, uh, Dub Oliver. Uh, he's spoken here before. And I thought, man, Dub's a good leader. He's about 10 years older than me. He has a great family, great career. Uh, he, was, he taught one of the classes that I sat in. I thought, you know, I'd like to get some, some advice, some professional leadership advice from him. I asked, hey, can we have lunch sometime? We had lunch sometime. We had lunch and uh, seemed to hit it off well. And we had him come speak at the church somewhere along the way. Dub gave me his cell phone number. And I thought, hey, that's kind of cool. I mean, like when you, when you cross over and you get someone's cell phone number, you're, you're moving into the friendship zone, right? I mean, right? I mean it's not, not just the email. So I, I had Dub's cell phone number in my, in my phone. And I'm not going to abuse that. He's a president of a college. I'm not going to bother him very much. But I kind of protected that number. When I was around campus, even around some of you, like, hey, how do you get a hold of Dub? I thought, well, I have his cell phone number. But let me give you his email because I'm friends. And because I'm friends, I have a cell phone number. So as time unfolded, one time I was talking to Dub and asking a leadership question. I was like, hey, um, how do you manage your cell phone? Because I wanted to know why I had his special number. And he said, well, that's pretty easy. At freshman orientation, I have every freshman put their cell phone in their phone. (laughs) I thought, I'm not special at all. He just gave it to a 1,000 freshmen in college. So, um, cool guy. And that tells us that sometimes we, we look for a certain friend. And they might meet some expectations. They may not. God is this friend that this fast I, I want to point you to. I want to suggest that God is the friend that you need. We sometimes identify the friend that we need. Like, boy, if I had connections with her, it would open this door for me professionally. Or if I was connected with him, I'd be in this group of friends. Or if I was friends with them, I would have access to professional information. And the God, the friend that you really need is our God. Here's what you get with our God. First thing I want you to write down is confident in God. Psalm 27, one through three says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? Isn't it nice to know that God has our back? David's writing here that this idea that the Lord is looking after me, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will be confident. This idea that God has my back, that God's going to come through for me, that God is going to 
protect me. And, and I think about that with the best, best friends that I've had in my life. I mean, back in like elementary school, junior high, you know, like, you know, your, your best friends, if there's a rumble, you know, they're going to get your back. They're not going to leave you hanging. Um, then as you get older and you get involved maybe in, in, in sophisticated relationships and you know that, that they're watching out for you. I remember, uh, oh man, this is one of those weeks where Beth's out of town. She's, she's preaching at another church. So don't text her when I tell these stories, okay? You guys do that. But I remember one year, I got one of those buzz cuts. It's like my, my, head, my head looked like a microphone, you know, just like one buzz over here. I was like, I, I'm not going to worry about girls this semester. I'm going to just be focused on football. Well, a couple of weeks in the semester, I kind of changed my mind. And, uh, and, and I was, you know, kind of striking out on the date opportunities. I know it's hard to believe, you know, but I was. And, and one of my best friends came up to me and said, he said, Aaron, I got to talk to you about something. He said, buddy, um, the haircut's not working out for you. Says, man, until you grow that thing out, man, no girl's going to go out with you. I'm like, that's what a friend does. A friend is looking out for you. All right? they, got, they got your back. This idea that as we move on in life that, that God is our defender. And I, I want you to think about whatever situation you are in your life right now. God is defending your cause. As we fast, it's a way to position our hearts to know that you're not alone in every situation you, you face. You'll have no reason to fear even when things are overwhelming. I mean, we, we go through these times where all of the problems seem like too much. Have you ever just, you just don't, just you dread Monday morning. You're like, I can't get up on Monday morning because I have too many problems to solve, too many decisions to make. I have too many opportunities to make a mistake. That's the worst feeling when dread is over you. And, you. and you dread going to work, or you dread going to school, or you dread that meeting. And I'd say to you that your confidence is in your friendship with God. He's the friend that you need. He's the friend that you need. And go back to Psalm 27. Meditate on that and see that he is going to be with you no matter, no matter what no matter what the challenge is, no matter what the attack is, no matter how strong the army is, he's going to be against you, I mean for you. And, and no one can be against you because God is with you and for you. You know, when I first started dating Beth and we moved into engagement, we got engaged and um, I put different pictures of her in my apartment. One time I saw a picture of her when she was a, 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 a little girl. She was so cute. I said, hey, look, can I just have that picture? And so she's like, well, I, said, I just want to have that picture. So I put in the little collection of pictures of her, I put this picture of her when she was a little girl. You know, some of my friends came to my room. They're like, who is that? I'm like, that's Beth when she was younger. They're like, oh, my gosh, he has a picture of her when she was a kid. That is so lame. You know, and they just, they just teased me. I didn't care. I didn't care. The same guys who had my back were now harassing me. Isn't that funny how that works? Because I was fascinated with her. I was, I, I, I was fixated. Uh, she had my attention. I mean, whoever has your heart has your attention. You know, that's one important principle is watch out what you're paying attention to because what you pay attention to, that's where your heart will go. And then wherever your heart is, that's where your attention is. I love this, and you can write it down, fascinated with God. Uh, th this is really a, a scripture that grabbed my heart as, as a young person. Um, 
learning about the presence of the Lord. And this was the heart of David. I've asked one thing from the Lord. It's what I desire. The one thing we ask for the Lord to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. This was kind of wishful thinking for David. He was thinking, wouldn't it be great if I could just stay in the temple all the time? It's like if, if we went to an amusement park, you know, Kings Island or Disney World, for those of you who like that dreaded place, um, and, and we're there, and we say, wouldn't it be great to go to Disney World every day? Wouldn't it be great to go to Kings Island every day? It would just be great because this is an idealistic day. It's full of wonder and fun. And David was talking about the temple where the representation of God, the centralization at that time of God was the ultimate place of worship was at the temple. And he's saying, like, I would love to just stay in the temple all the time, just to be in God's presence all the time. It's like, I wish that could happen for me. And now we, since we've been given the Holy Spirit, have this opportunity to have connection with God all the time. And part of our fast is this idea of like, I want to keep looking to the Lord. I don't want to just check in with God on Sundays. I'm glad if that's what you do. And so keep doing that. But extend that to gaze upon the Lord, to spend time with the Lord. One of the reasons I'm looking forward to this time of dedication is I've had just a busy year so far busier than I want it to be. I want my soul to slow down a little bit. If that means, you know, if that means to me giving some time that I usually maybe got to dinner with Beth and the boys and, and, and use that time for, for reading uh, my Bible or, or for praying for my friends. Th- these are some of the things that I'm thinking about right now. This opportunity to live out Psalm 27.4. Not this grit like I'm going to not eat food because God's going to break through in my life and I'm going to make God do it because he's just holding back and this fast is going to just loose everything in my life. That's at least some of the times that I fasted, like almost like manipulating God. Like, God, I'm not eating this lunch, so you have to do that. Instead, no, the heart of this is like, I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. I want you, Lord. Lord, I enjoy going to lunch with my friends, but I want to be friends with you during this lunch hour. If that's your context. Um, God, I want to use this morning time. I usually eat breakfast and watch Good Morning America or today or CBS this morning. I don't want to officially endorse any morning show here. But I want to give this now... Instead of giving the 15 minutes to the news, I'm going to give 15 minutes to you. I'm probably not going to do this the rest of my life, but I can do it for a month. Okay? Not because you're trying to make God do something, but because you're trying to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Lord, you're so beautiful. You're so unique. You're so set apart. I want to include you in every part of my life. And so here it is, God. I'm going to give this to you. I'm fascinated with you, God. Fascinated with who you are. Here's the third point, hidden by God. For he will conceal me. This is verse five, hidden by God. Verse five says, he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. This is what I want to say to you. I want to say that if you're hidden 
and that's God's choice, that's a great place to be. Don't despise being hidden if God has hidden you. Because the Lord may be protecting you. Sometimes we are hidden by the eyes of others we want approval from. I've mentioned this before, but it needs to be repeated. Throughout, throughout the scope of my life of walking with the Lord, sometimes I've had favor with people that was unexpected. And that's cool. It opened great doors. Sometimes I've wanted favor with certain people who just didn't see it. It's like I was blind to them or they didn't recognize my gifts. And that can be a source of pain or disappointment or disillusionment. But as we walk with the Lord, we can say and see that that's a hiddenness, a hiddenness that is a beautiful thing because God's saying, I'm protecting you. For me, he's protecting me from myself, from my desire to self-promote, my desire to be a star, my desire to, uh, for my name to be known instead of his name to be known. And so the Lord protect, has protected me from those environments, at least, at least in my mind, he has. So I feel not mature enough for some things that maybe I want. He also maybe has hidden me from relationships that could be destructive in my life. And then I think simply, he, he hides us. Uh, he, he hides us because we're vulnerable. And he doesn't put us in a position where the enemy can take us out. I mean, when we're following him. And so I just say, verse 5, let's glory in our hiddenness. Say, we're okay, God. Because guess what? When we're hidden by God, we're not alone. Because <laughs> he's there with us. And sometimes it's the best place, best place we could ever imagine. Ah, now, here's a part of the sermon we're all going to like, I think. Because the Lord will help us manage this, exalted by God. Then my head will be high. Above my enemies around me, I will, I will sacrifice, I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. It's like bringing the kingdom to the places where I've been attacked. You know, just idea of like, I'm going to sing for joy in my enemy's tents. Man, what an aspirational declaration, like the place of attack becomes a place of my victory. The place of assault becomes a place of where I'm overcoming. And we say that we're in this place where we're not gloatful over this, that we're not braggadocious over this. We're just saying that God is so great that he's going to exalt me. I'm going to be able to lift my head high. And I know that walking in the kingdom and walking with the presence of the Lord, this is where he's taking us. He's, he, he's taking us to greater glory. He's taking us to a higher place with him. Not a place of pride, not a place of self-exaltation, but a place of God's exaltation where the presence of the Lord is with us and we're ascending to the high places in the Lord. And we go higher by going lower, less of us and more of him. And it brings us to this last point, and this is the purpose of our faith and the purpose of our worship is devoted to God. Devoted to God. Like you're loyal to God. 
I would, I would say that in, in this particular sermon, confidence in God can come and it can go. Fascination with God, we know that some people are fascinated and then they fade out, you know, because fascination does only last for a while. Even in my own marriage, I, you, you know that I told you I was fascinated with Beth, but I've been honest that over 20 years, we've struggled, we've been to marriage counselors, we've had to work through issues. So fascination doesn't mean longevity. It's almost like the entryway to, to passion. It's the entryway to love, but it's not what you live on, it's what ignites love. Hidden by God, there's a beauty in that, but there's a pain in that. But I love the last point here, this fifth point, devoted to God, like a loyalty to God. A loyalty that's not emotive, like it's based off just our emotions, but a loyalty that's centered in experience and it's centered in longevity. Lord, this is what verse seven says of Psalm 27. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. Seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. This is this idea of transformation. That's where we are in the spiritual life. We're moving to the transformation to where our heart says, seek the Lord. A lot of times our heart doesn't say that. It's it's saying seek wealth, you know, seek pleasure, seek anything that masks the pain. And that's where our heart is. You know, seek, seek, seek anything else. And, and, and mentally, you know, we're, we, we love the Lord, but our heart's not there. This is, this is the idea that my heart is saying, seek the Lord. And so I'm going to seek the Lord. And that's where we're all going. Even if we're not there right now, we can get there. That's why you're at church today. We can get there. We're, we can say, my heart says, I'll seek the Lord. I'll seek the Lord. And it's, there's a flow out of your heart. And I, be, I believe Fasting is a wonderful, wonderful way to align your heart with God's heart, to let that transformation that only he can do start from the inside and work on its way out. This is what the Lord does for us. Let me talk to you a little bit about Await Nashville as we we kind of meander into this citywide movement. I cannot believe that over 500 churches. I mean, I don't know if it's 550 yet, so let's just, let's just know that well over 500 churches are choosing to participate in this. Think about what this can do to the spiritual climate of our city, what it can do. And I already mentioned in those packets that you've already picked up or that you will, it's a great little book. You can, sit, you can read this in, in one setting or you can break it up, you know, two or three pages at a time. But if you're starting today, I'd suggest go to page 45 and just and kind of start there, and then you can go back later. Um, you can start today or tomorrow with this little devotional that takes you on a journey. Um, there's also a, a prayer journal. These are great tools. But inside your packet, this is a great, a great little system that you can see. I mean, everything, I could tell you everything verbally, but you can read everything I want to say right here. But this is the part that I'm particularly excited for, for me and for us. On the back of this is a prayer card. And it's a chance for you to pray for your neighbors or your friends. Last it, prayed for everyone in 
Davidson County, maybe even beyond. And so like everyone got these lists of names. I mean, dozens and dozens of names. And the idea was everyone could be prayed for. But, you know, it was just really distant. <laughs> Praying for distant names. The team that's putting this together said, let's pray for people near us. Some names we know, maybe people we don't know their names yet, but they're near us. And this idea of God opened my heart and opened my eyes to those around me. So this is going to be a great exercise for me. It's going to be a great exercise for you to say, okay, Lord, who, who around me that I've not prayed for, can I pray for someone who's in my proximity, someone who's in my reach? I'm not praying for someone in Columbia because they made the list unless you're friends with someone in Columbia, but you get what I'm saying. I'm I'm praying for those in my sphere. I'm praying for those near. And so I think that's a good thing. This week's, the passage that's the theme for Wake Nashville this week, I didn't necessarily preach over the whole passage, but it's a story that Jesus told and it'll be self-explanatory. It's out of the book of Luke. Let's put that scripture up. It says, then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he asked. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked, and here's our question today, And who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, go and do the same. You know why I'm excited about this fast? Because I know that professional Christians get excited about fasting. And they go pray for the nations. Pray to the north, south, and east, and west and call them in so easy to pray for a list that you don't know and pray in a direction that has no consequences. But this call is asking us, who is our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? And you've got to answer that question. And it's going to be a delightful question to answer. As you connect with the God of Psalm 27, And delight in the Lord. Delight in his presence. And all of the other points that I made through that teaching today. And now we could say this week. This week, starting today. Say, hey, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Who who is the person that I can reach out to? And, And I really don't know what the answer is for you. 
I'm not even saying it's someone who lives in your neighborhood. It may be, but that's not, that's not the point. The, the point's not who lives next door to you. I've lived in the same house 17 years, and so I've lost track of who's coming and going. I've, known, I've been very close friends with my neighbors before, and I've gone years without knowing some of my neighbors. They come and they go. So it's not that. That question is taking us deeper. It's like asking us out of your heart, who is your neighbor? Like, who is the person that you're supposed to be Jesus to? Who, who is that person that you're supposed to show love to? And, and if, if we fast under the direction of the scripture, it'll show us that way. I, I forgot to tell you this in my introduction. It was in my notes, but this will help you. I, you know, I've done a lot of extensive fasting. And so there was a time when my family would say, oh no, dad's fasting right now. Because they said I'd be grumpy. Like, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point of fasting if you're gonna be grumpy? I'm going to fast because I'm a pastor and we're going to grow this. See, see what I'm saying? And this fast is saying, no, change your pace. Change your pace. Change your outlook. Position your heart. Invite his presence and then say, who's my neighbor? You know, how can the, the flow of Jesus just come out of me? And, and so let's go. Let's do it, right? Let's do it. Hey, let's have fun with this. Let's enjoy the Lord. How many of you ready to enjoy the Lord? Change the pace. Change the pace. Set things off equilibrium a little bit. So there's a flow of God's spirit. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Sorry I didn't notice it. Pastor Greg, are you?